Hey everybody, welcome back to another night of Walk It Out. My name is Gretchen Cannon and it's great to have you uh, join me tonight. Uh, let's go Lord in prayer before we get started talking about what it looks like to do the works of Jesus as a disciple. Well, Father, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for who you created us to be, which is conformed to your image. And uh, I just ask that the things that you want said get said tonight and the things that you want heard, Lord, that all of us will have ears to hear, to be receptive, to be good soil, to receive your voice, your revelation that can only come by you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last time we were together, we talked about what it looked like in becoming a disciple, in walking in the ways of Jesus. And so if you go back to the triangle of uh, our definition of a disciple, somebody that abides in him, and then the arrow, and out of that, they walk in his ways. So their character, his character and nature is formed inside of us from our loving union, from our connection, from our abiding with him. And then out of that, there's another arrow at the bottom of the triangle that goes to works. And out of our connection with him, his character and nature being formed in us, then we go and do the works of Jesus. Now, we can get this all backwards. We can just start doing the works of Jesus. And we can come very pharisaical, very um, uh, religious performance-based. And we might be a little ugly or even timid and shy as we do it. But as we do the works of Jesus, if we stay connected to him in that union, as we're letting his character and nature be formed in us, like that's where the authority, because our identity is in the right place. And I'm so excited in the next week or two, we're going to dive into talking about identity. But it's like we are walking in the power and the authority by the Holy Spirit because of the identity that he's given us in Christ. And so disciples that actively follow Christ that are being changed by him and then committed to advancing God's kingdom one heart at a time, like that's what it looks like to be a disciple, to be complete devoted, being developed, and then being deployed in the assignments that he has for us. And those assignments might be small. It might be giving your kid an extra long hug in the morning because the Lord knows they need it or they're going to need it later. Or it might actually be going and, um, and investing in somebody long term or going on a mission trip or uh, giving some money away to help somebody in need. But um, the works of Jesus is something that probably most of us can define pretty well. And so, like, we're going to look into a bunch of scriptures, but, um, you know, it's, it's things like praying for the sick, casting out demons, preaching the good news, um, maybe feeding the poor, different things like that. You even saw in scripture, like the early church, they set up um, people um, to, to go and do those types of works, to oversee those types of works, because they're vital to the advancement of God's kingdom and caring for the people he loves. But we cannot go and do it apart from him. 
And sometimes we limit our definition to what a works look like. And so Sunday morning is a very important work. Like we do, if, if we will do Sunday morning the way he's designed us to do it, then we all come in living connected to him, asking him like, what do you want to show me in my own life? Where does your character and nature need to be formed in me? And then who and how do you want me to minister? Is it praying for someone? Is it smiling at them? Is it speaking a word? Like, what does that look like? And so I want to get into some scriptures tonight about it. Two weeks ago, though, um, I was two weeks ago today was my four year anniversary of being healed of mastocytosis, which is a mast cell disease. Um, it there's like all kinds of variations for it, but it was something that plagued my life for 17 years. And uh, I wrote I wrote um, about it on my blog. It, it, tried to kill me a couple of different times. One time I was just eating a grape inside of a store. I was seeing, do I want two packages of black grapes or red grapes? So I popped one each in my mouth. And within about 60 to 90 seconds, I was having a reaction. The mast cells of my body were reacting to it. And so it's something that like came out of the blue. It wasn't, it, it, it's just so hard to explain. And I had to take a bunch of pills every day to just prevent a reaction. But then I had to carry this bag of stuff for when I did have one. And so, like, I just want to encourage you, like, as we look into the things of Jesus, like, I know for me, I have great faith for phys physical healing. Like, I have been healed of five major things in my life. And this summer, I'll be 45 years old. Five. Not minor things, but major. Now, I am still believing God and asking for the manifestation of healing for some colon problems that developed a couple of years ago after I had a bit of food poisoning. But I have the faith that he will do it. And so as I'm walking through this, I am asking the Lord, like, what do you want to form within me? Not why did you give this to me, but what do you want to form within me? And then who do you want to help partner with in like healing being manifest in my body? Like who is to be praying for me? Who is to be laying hands on me and giving them the opportunity to go and do the works of Jesus? Like that's like on the job training, right? And so instead of looking at, do I want to deal with this? No, no, I do not at all. Like instead of looking at it as something um, that is devastating to me, I'm like, Father, use this for your good. How can I help someone? And how can you be more formed in me through this? And so just want to go into some scriptures about that. I just wanted to touch on healing real quick on that um, physical healing. But the first scripture I want to talk about today is kind of um, what I would call like the premise for doing the works of Jesus. And it's John 14. I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. And it says, this is Jesus talking. And he says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So right there, he's talking about 
connection and life union and abiding with the Father, which is the first thing to being a disciple that flows to works. And then he goes on to say, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So like the Lord obviously healed me of mastocytosis, but it has given people faith. Like I was contacted by a family in uh, New Jersey that has six-month-old baby that had been diagnosed with mastocytosis. And all they could find was like article after article after article, blog after blog after blog about how horrible it is and how he's going to suffer for the rest of his life. And it's going to be horrible. And they were just like, Lord, we need some hope. Like, we need to believe that you can do this. And so they Googled, God healed me from mastocytosis, and my blog came up. And out of that, they were able, not just, like, it's not, I I don't know whether they were believing if the Father and he were one, but they believed Jesus and his word because of the work that they saw done in my life through physical healing. I mean, that's what this is talking about. If you don't believe that we're together, then, then believe for the sake of the work themselves. Verse 12 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, I want to encourage you, you need to stay connected to the voice of the Lord. You need to stay always listening and abiding. But I'm just going to tell you something that I did just as I've tried to uh, let the Lord develop me and grow me in this, in listening to his voice, to knowing what it looks like to do his works. What I did was I just looked at the things that Jesus did in the Bible. And when I had an opportunity, I practiced it. And I did it with him. Like I said, can we do this together? And so not just in works, but also in abiding. Like, hey, I saw you go to the mountain and pray. What does that look like for me in Choctaw, Oklahoma, to go to the mountain and pray? Now, we don't have any mountains here. There's some minor ones about an hour and a half from here, Wichita Mountains and some of those. But like, what does it look like? For me to go to a place like what Jesus did. And so then I would practice it. What did it look like to stay up all night and pray? And I would practice it. But the same goes for works. Like I want to encourage you, take this scripture and know like the greater work is the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it is your birthright to hear his voice. It is your birthright for you to walk out the things that he shows you. But listen, as you're learning to hear his voice and you see an opportunity, take it and just say, hey, come along with me and let him course correct you. Let him guide you. Let him show you. And as you develop that relationship and that communion around doing the things that you see Jesus do in scripture, like you will grow to hearing his voice in different ways. 
but I want to encourage you like the greater work that that has happened in us is the penetration of the Holy Spirit inside of us, that he takes up residence within us. And because of that, we are able to do greater works. Not that we're going to do bigger miracles, but like there's more of us walking around than just one Jesus in the days that he walked this earth. Like that's awesome. And so I want to encourage you just to um, seek the Lord. Maybe this weekend as you're out and about, like, okay, what opportunities can you show me that I have? And then listen, see if he's doing it. If you're not sure, like he's not going to get onto you for, for inviting him to go pray for somebody. Like he's your biggest cheerleader. He is your biggest fan. And he put that authority and that Holy Spirit within you because of who you are in him, because of your identity in Christ. And so, man, there's so many other scriptures that I'd love to get into um, today with you. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and and just read a couple of of quick ones. And then I think this next week we'll go in and focus um, more in Luke 10. I love what the Lord's been teaching me this past month in Luke 10. Um, But I want to read for you out of Matthew 10, um, verses 1 through 8. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then verses 2 through 4, he he goes and he names um, the 12 apostles. And I love this because, uh, and I'm going to get on a rabbit trail here for a minute. I love... I've been able to research like where the name apostle came from because we don't see it in the Old Testament, but we see people kind of operating in it, but we don't see it. And so like, why did the word just all of a sudden start coming when Jesus came? Well, what's really cool is um, before Jesus was born, the Greeks came up with the word apostle because of generals in their army. And they were the ones that would lead They would send the generals out with the army and they would lead into an area and they would conquer it. And so um, it, it, it was something like, you know, we have admirals and things like that. So in those days, they were called apostles. And so what's really cool then is the Romans were like, hey, I like that. But, and so they would go, they went and did the same thing. They may had apostles, they went and did it. But one of the things that the Romans noticed is they would go into the city and conquer it. And they would come like with the apostles and with the army, but they would come back a few years later and it would look the way it used to look. Like it didn't change at all. And so like the familiar thing of when in Rome, do as the Romans are, or something similar to that. Probably butchered it a little bit, but but that's where the saying is. Like they didn't just want to go and conquer a city and take a take a land. Like they wanted the land to become who they were as Romans. And so then what they began to do is they began to take their apostles. And when they sent them out to conquer with the army, they also sent with them teachers, philosophers, doctors, um, 
just all kinds of different artists, all musicians, all kinds of different people with them to infiltrate that place. The armies would go in and they would take dominion, but then they would bring the team of people, the apostles would, to culturalize, to change the culture, to where in a couple of years, it didn't look like it used to. It actually looks like Romans. And so, like, I love these passages where he names these 12 people as a, or these 12 men as apostles, because what he's saying is like, hey, I am sending you out to do things different. I want you to change the landscape. I want you to change the culture. I want, like, I have given you power. You already have the authority over unclean spirits and to heal the sick. And so then he names them, like, you're my apostles. And then verse 5 says, Then these twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Don't go into the way of the Gentiles. So right here, Kind of how the Greeks came up with the word apostles and then the Romans like changed it to culturalize. Like it's don't go in this way and don't enter this, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like he's saying right here, come and change this landscape. Wherever you go, like into the house of Israel, change this landscape for the kingdom of God. Like, don't just go and pray for the sick. Don't just go and um, cast out unclean spirits, but preach, announce, declare, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. And while you're doing it, as you're going, because that's what it says, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And so like if you go back to John 14, where it says greater works that you'll do. And like if you can't believe that the Father and I are one, believe me for the sake of the words themselves. It's a perfect picture of that. Like it gives people an opportunity to believe who Jesus is when somebody's healed. Like, it wasn't a doctor that healed me. Now, doctors were used by the Lord in my journey of mastocytosis. But like that moment on July 16th, four years ago, when I was healed, it was the Lord putting my mast cells under submission to the kingdom rule and the authority of the Lord. Like, that's what it's about. And so as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Why? Yes, to be a blessing to people. But so they would believe and they would know the kingdom of God is at hand. Like, it's all about the kingdom. It's not about healing. It's not about anything that we do or that we get. That's just the byproduct. That's the collateral blessing, right? And so at the end of the scripture, it says, freely you have received. So freely you give. That goes back to abide in ways. Like you have to receive this power. You have to receive this authority. You have to receive even the revelation of the kingdom of God.
and as you receive it, then go freely give it. Now, that doesn't mean because I'm struggling in um, an area of health right now in my physical manifestation that I can't go pray for the sick. I don't have to receive and be perfectly healed in the actual natural for me to go pray for the sick. But because I have received in Christ as a daughter, like as a joint heir, then I can freely give because I've received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the power and the authority that comes through the Holy Spirit and my identity in Christ, then I can freely give. It's living connected to him. It's not going and doing the stuff to go and do this stuff. And so as we close tonight, like I want to give you just some scriptures to go and set in and, uh, and look into this week because we're going to talk about them next week. So Luke 10 verses 1 through 8 and then 17 through 21. Honestly, the whole thing, 1 through 21, like he's just been teaching me so much about it. But um, Acts 1, 8. Acts 4.13, Acts 4.31, Ephesians 2.10, John 17.10. Take some of these scriptures and ask the Lord, like, what do you want to show me about abiding and living connected to you as I do the works of you? And what do works look like? And set with him this week. Ponder, just as you're going about the week, as you're going about the weekend, like, what does it really look like for this to be a work? Change your view of Sunday morning. Don't just come to be fed. Come full. Come living connected to him. I guarantee you, if you walk in the doors of wherever you worship on Sunday mornings, whether it's Grace Church or somewhere else, like if you come living connected to him and full, you are going to be fed again and again. You don't stop getting fed. But ask him, like, what works do you have for me to do here? What works do you want as I live in partnership and loving union with you to walk out? So, Father, I thank you for this time together with these people. And I just ask for divine revelations this week of what it looks like to not just live connected to you, but to do the works that we saw you do and the works that you speak to our heart as we stay connected to you. I ask for divine revelation in that, in in what it looks like in our own personal lives. I ask that um, you remind us this week to just stop and, and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? And what am I going to do about it? Like, what is my obedience, my partnership in walking this out with you? And then remind us that you have given us authority as well as boldness and courage to walk out those things. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great weekend.